Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk with a Doc, the show where we bring your questions to Providence medical experts for insight and information. Remember, everyone, all of our questions come from you, our listeners, via social media. We can be found on Twitter at Providence and on Facebook under Providence Health System. Use the hashtag Talk with a Doc, that's hashtag Talk with a Doc, for a chance to hear your questions in our episodes. Hello and welcome. I'm so excited about this one. This is our episode on men's health. How exciting. I am your host, Dr. James Simmons. I'm a board certified nurse practitioner and founder of Ask the NP. And I am so incredibly excited for today, Dr. Daniel Getz, Chief Medical Officer at Providence Sacred Heart Medical Center and Holy Family Hospital men's health medicine specialist in Spokane is joining us. But before we get to that, you know, we got to go over the particulars, right? We got to do the legal stuff. So here's your disclaimer. This video is for informational purposes only and not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always, of course, please seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding any medical conditions. All right. So the particular stuff is out of the way. And there we are. Look, we are two human beings. We are actually here. You can see us now. Again, I am James Simmons. And um, Dr. Getz, I'll just let you kick it off. Like for those of you who have not met you or don't know much about you, tell those folks watching uh, a little bit about what you do at Providence. Yeah, thanks, James. It's a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, my name's Dan Getz. I'm uh, board certified and formally trained as an emergency medicine physician, but really developed a passion for men's health. Um, really seeing what patients went through in lots of different settings, also experiencing issues myself. I really wanted to figure out more about why men seem to take uh, not as good care of themselves as they should and opened a men's health clinic about 12 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. Two years ago, I transitioned out of emergency medicine into a chief medical officer role. So I helped guide a hospital uh, with roughly 1,200 physicians on staff, uh, two hospitals actually in Spokane, Washington. It's a lot of fun, but still do men's health. Excellent. And, and I mean, you bring up something in that that's like the sort of the age old question. I feel like, like why, what is up with men? And for the record, for people watching, I want to make sure we clarify where this conversation is about cisgender men and this June is men's health month. So in speaking about cisgender men, there's this like classic, you know, we don't take care of ourselves. We don't go see our provider. Like we're too strong for this. And I, I know we're going to get into a lot of particulars and this is going to be a really important conversation, but just like in your experience, Dr. Gatz, like, why do you think that is? Yeah, that's, it's really an interesting topic. And I think it goes back to the original conception of what is the, what is the image of masculinity? And I think mm -hmm. men take pride in not complaining. And, you know, we tend to do things at times we eat too much, we can drink too much, we try and, you know, sometimes lifting things that are too heavy or just doing things <laughs> that really aren't, aren't in the best strategy for long term health. I think uh, sure. we tend to pride ourselves on sometimes and we need to move away from that image and, and really try and do things that help us live as long as we can with as much quality as we can. Yeah. And I feel like that sort of you gave the answer here, but, I, you know, I was going to ask you what. What do you think is so important about June being Men's Health Month and why we need to bring awareness to that? But, it, you know, you, you really answered a, a lot of that. Are there other reasons why you think it's really important to highlight, you know, men's health during the month of June? Well, I think a lot of the issues that we tend to deal with later in life are certainly preventable or we can delay them as long as possible, helping us maximize quality of life. I think men often take the approach to health care of, what can you do to fix me when a problem happens rather than use preventative care and, and 
do things that improve their quality of life from long term just by daily daily habits, making right choices, whether it's mm-hmm. food or sleep maintenance or how we exercise or how we deal with stress management or promote our relationships. Those are things that we can do at any stage in our life that will help prevent the onset of disease later on. You hear that, fellas? Listen, it is all about the prevention. You know, I, I work in acute care, so I'm, I'm mostly in ICUs or as a hospitalist. And I see so much of that. Uh, you know, there there really is this mindset of, okay, well, now this thing is bothering me enough where I need to do something about it. I need to fix it rather than, oh, man, if we'd have gotten to this, you know, even two years ago, even two months ago, 20 years ago, right? We wouldn't be in this, you know, predicament that we are in right now. So I love that you have this emphasis, you know, on, on prevention. And prevention sort of leads me to these basics. Like, what are just the, like, very basic things. I'm, I'm teeing you up here for the softball question. Like the most basic thing that the fellas out there or those who love the, the fellas who are watching can do to get themselves on the right path towards being healthy. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of the advice that grandma probably gave us growing up probably makes sense. You know, grandma would always talk about diet and exercise and sleep. You know, don't mm-hmm. smoke. Watch how much you drink, you know, substance use. Um, how do we practice um, good habits with um, sexual practices, making sure that we're protecting ourselves? All of these things really add up at different facets to improve our overall health. But I think the first thing that we can do is actually start thinking about our health long term and then start implementing strategies that if we do this will help maximize that quality of life. I think we all have that goal. We want to stay out of a nursing home as long as possible. Hopefully never get to a nursing Amen. home. Amen. Want to finally be able to be active when we retire, right? Who wants to, you know, work until we're 65 and then we retire because we can finally afford it, hopefully, and then you can't do the things that you love to do. That doesn't, seems backwards. And I think having dialogue, having dialogue with your primary care provider about strategies, making sure that you're getting proper health maintenance, making sure you follow those strategies, help keep people out of the ICU like you see or I would see in the ER. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think about you mentioned retirement. I think sometimes the conversations that I've I've had with folks, you know, particularly men is you might have started this whole financial planning strategy, hopefully in your 20s. Right. But at some point you were like, I got to start planning for retirement because this thing is coming and I got to have a bunch of money left over. Right. To retire. But if you aren't healthy enough to enjoy that money, it doesn't matter. So you're you're literally strategy for ongoing in life and retirement has to be twofold. It has to involve the financial one, but I think almost more importantly, it has to involve that health. And it starts with going to your doctor or primary care provider, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the right perspective. You know, money's one piece of the puzzle, but I think when you really boil it down to what are your most valuable assets in life, it's your health, it's your relationship Mm -hmm. with others, your family. You know, if you you lose your job, you'll get another job and make more money. But if you lose your health, it's really hard to claw that back. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. And and so, listen, some folks might be, okay, 25 years old, let's say, and they're like, I'm perfectly healthy. You're lucky ones. You don't have any health issues going on. The dog might walk past as we go. The dogs help, help keep you healthy, by the way. That's research proven. So, listen, you're 25. You're like, I don't really need to go, you know, see my doctor or see anyone anymore. But what age should guys maybe start thinking about, all right, I should probably start making checkups a regular thing and how often? 
Yeah, you know, I think in your 20s, the perfect time to establish a relationship with a primary care provider. You're going to need them at some point eventually, and even an annual exam goes a long way in your 20s. There's still things that we need to worry about in our 20s. You know, you're not thinking about heart attack and stroke so much, but the topic of STD screening and sexual mm -hmm. health. If you have a new sexual partner, you should be screened. Anytime you change sexual partners, there's things that we can do where we can prevent a lot of misery down the road in yourself as well as others if we we have an opportunity to test and and uh you know just general health maintenance having your blood pressure checked although it's unlikely to be high at that age there certainly are individuals that are high um, and there's things that we can do to prevent down the road stroke and heart attack by detecting these things early. Um, one thing that we see even in 20 year olds um, is if people are at a heavier weight, sometimes they're um, experiencing sleep apnea that we don't know about, mm. which could mm. lead to hypertension and stroke and heart attack down the road. So getting seen once a year is a good approach. And if, if you do come up with an issue where you do need a primary care provider to guide you, it's nice to have that relationship in advance. That relationship is super key, right? Because uh, you want this to be someone that you trust and someone that you can build a relationship with, preferably over time, especially when it comes to, I'm going to dig in a little bit more on you here, Dr. Getz, those sexual conversations. Like, let's just be real, especially even in your 20s, or maybe especially in your 20s, you're like, I don't want to talk to anybody about these things because I'm uncomfortable about them but your primary care provider is that like, it's the exact opposite. Like we want you to talk to us about these things so we can keep you safe. So for those watching who might be a little uncomfortable about these like sexual conversations, like walk us through why you shouldn't be uncomfortable and, and how it's really not that painful when we start digging and asking those sexual questions. Yeah. You know, I think sexual health plays a huge part in quality of life. I mean, sex is one of the things that define humans. Right. And, uh, if you are putting yourself in a position that can cause problems down the road, uh, or if you're experiencing symptoms that, that we can help you with, we absolutely want our patients to feel comfortable engaging with us. And I think a large part of having a good relationship with a primary care provider or any provider across the board is feeling like you're in a space where it's safe to discuss challenging topics. And mm -hmm. there should be no safer space than when you're with your health care provider. You're trusting us with really some of the most intimate details of your life. Um, and there's good reason for that. Sometimes we pick up things in, in these discussions where we can we can prevent big, big problems down the road. And uh, it's 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 critical. One of those things that often goes misses, missing is STD screening. And um, the last thing we want you to do is to pass something on to a partner that we could have treated easily or develop an issue down the road related to an infection that could have been prevented. Absolutely. I have to throw in my little plug, Dr. Gatz. Thank you for sharing that. This this past Monday was National HIV Testing Day. Uh, and so obviously we want folks who are sexually active to test for uh, HIV more than just, you know, on one day a year. Um, but you know, HIV tests are very, very quick and then you get them for free. You can do them at home. And if you are HIV negative, we can get you into prevention. And if you're HIV positive, we can get you into care. Um, this is no longer death sentence. So when we're talking about STIs and STDs, of course, I, I have to throw my plug in there for national HIV testing day. And it makes me think of other screenings, right? Other sort of tools and, and resources and things that men should be thinking about periodically. Cause we hear about women and mammograms and, Oh, is it 45? Is it 40? Is it once a year? Is it every three years? Like all of that. What are some of those screenings that men need to start kind of thinking about? 
Yeah, you know, I think self-screenings, um, the leading cause of cancer between 15 and 34 is testicular cancer. So, you know, monthly, if you're taking a shower, you should probably do a self-inspection of the testicles. And if you notice a change, bring that up to your primary care provider um, for evaluation. Now, what, uh, what does a self-screen look like? Like, what is that? Like, what is someone actually doing? Yeah, you know, it's palpating the testicles and seeing if there's any abnormalities. So do you feel any lumps or bumps that weren't there before? Are you having pain in the testicles that you never had before? Um, that may not just be a symptom of a sexually transmitted infection or a sign of testicular cancer. There's other problems of the testicles, testicular torsion, other things that could compromise fertility. So just a quick assessment in the shower when they're warm, just spend 20 seconds feeling around. And if there's anything abnormal, discuss that with your primary care provider. Um, you know, one thing, breast cancer, which is interesting, um, one in 100 patients with breast cancer are men. And, and so it's important if you have a change in a nipple or you feel a mass in your, your pectoral muscle around your breast tissue, have a primary care um, doctor look at that as well. If you're a trans male, you still have a higher risk of breast cancer as well. So really important that you make sure if you feel a change in that breast tissue that you discuss that with your primary care provider. I love it. I love it. Thank you for, um, you know, talking about how simple it can be. You know, I think we think, oh, all right. First of all, like I got to talk to somebody about doing a testicular exam. Okay, that's maybe like a little uncomfortable. And then you're like, well, what does that even mean? Like, what does a, a testicular exam do? But you're wait, you're telling me once a month in the shower for 20 seconds. One hopes you're washing for at least that long, <laughs> right? It's, it's something that's pretty easy to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's really important to feel empowered to discuss these things with a provider. Um, we know they're intimate details and sometimes they can be embarrassing, but there's so much potential at risk if you miss something. And there's so much that we can do if we catch these things early on. Highly survivable, very little mortality with these type of things. And feeling um, engaged and safe to discuss this is key. Don't, don't wait till the last minute. Again, we'd much rather know about things early on. Uh, when it's healthcare related and later, um, you know, keep people out of the ER, out of the ICU, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, and this is a, a judgment-free zone, right? Particularly, you know, you mentioned it earlier, we have such sort of still persisting antiquated notions of, of masculinity and what it means to identify as a man and particularly in the Western world and, you know, the, the place where you get to be safe, even if, if that's something that you're dealing with in, a, you know, in your life or whatever, but in your, in the room with your primary care provider, all of that gets to go away. Cause we're really just here to keep you as healthy and happy as possible. So you can live that life that you want or, or need to live. So um, I like, I love that you're, you're bringing up, you know, consistently that this is a safe space um, for people to, to really, you know, explore their health with their, with their primary care provider. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, James, I think it's really important to for people to understand that they have options. If you don't feel like you have that type of relationship with your primary care provider, find a different one. Uh, you know, I think it's really probably one of the most important pieces of that relationship is feeling comfortable um, discussing these things and feeling like you're being heard. And if you don't get that sense, you know, it's shop around for, for somebody else that can take care of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's it, it goes kind of both ways, right? Like if we, if, if we feel like as providers, you're not comfortable with us, it sort of makes the entire dynamic a little bit awkward and it maybe is not going to be the best situation for you. And then you're down the road, not going to open up more. So don't, don't worry about firing us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if, 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 there's no judgment. I mean, that's, it's one of those things, 
you know, we we're so good after coming out of medical practice at hearing all kinds of things that would, you know, before you went into medicine and training would raise an eyebrow, but you're pretty immune to, to just about everything. We realize that this is just part of being human. And no matter how embarrassing it seems to you to, to talk about these things, I can promise we've all heard them before. And our goal is to keep you as healthy as possible. It, it is. And, you know, being as healthy as possible, you mentioned a couple of self-screening tests, right? So what are the other, what are the, the, the bigger ones though? Like, like the colonoscopies and the, the other sort of screening exams of the world that, all right, fellas, you got to start thinking about this on that 40th birthday or 45th birthday or, or whatever. What are some of those that we need to start keeping in mind? Yeah, you know, colonoscopy is a big topic of debate. So age 45, you really need to talk with your primary care doctor about screening for colon cancer, whether it's a, a test of the, the stool, the poop, to look for, for microscopic amounts of red blood cell, or it's a dedicated colonoscopy where they go in with a camera and look around. That decision has a little bit to do with your family history and risk. If you have a big family history where mom or dad or grandma and grandpa had colon cancer, we're going to want to test you a little bit earlier. Um, other screening exams as we age, if you get uh, age 65, um, we need to start thinking about aortic aneurysm, which is expansion mm -hmm. of the aorta where it gets too big. And that's something that's very treatable if you catch it earlier. Um, screenings in your 40s for high blood pressure, again, diabetes, um, evaluating for healthy weight. These are things that if we catch early on, we can help delay or prevent the onset of things like stroke and heart attack. Um, it's important as we get into our 40s and 50s to start looking at are there vaccines that we are due for boosters? You know, are we due for a pneumococcal vaccine that helps prevent uh, pneumonia? Uh, are we due for a vaccine or a booster on things that help prevent tetanus or diphtheria or pertussis? Do we need to get a shingles booster at age, you know, at age 50? So there's all kinds of different things that you probably don't think about, but that's the benefit of having a primary care provider that's trained in going through these lists of different screenings. Um, is it time to get your cholesterol checked? You know, that's something that needs to happen in your 40s as well. I love that you said that part there about this is why having a relationship with a primary care provider is so important. It's actually not your job, fellas, those of you watching. Listen, it is not your job to have to remember all this stuff. So Dr. Getz rattled off a fantastic list and it is awesome. But it's not your job to remember that. It is our job to remember that. It's only your job. Just, just come see us at least once a year, right? And then we'll sort of like figure everything else from there. And if it's time for colonoscopy, if it's time for this, we'll set you up with that. And, you know, obviously in organizations like Providence, we can kind of keep it all contained. And, you know, you can go to different places and, and get these things done. But it's, it's really all about the prevention. Because just because we have this list of you know, a uh, screening test, screening exams that you need to have. Doesn't mean that it's going to, we're like going to overwhelm you and you're going to walk out of the office and be like, oh, by the way, you have hypertension and diabetes and high cholesterol and, you know, a, a gangrenous toe and, you know, erectile dysfunction and whatever. Okay, bye. <laughs> right? Like that's not kind of how it works. Right. No, not at all. You know, it's, it's pretty interesting. I think most men can tell you more about when their car needs an oil change than when they need some of these basic screening things done. Uh, but again, it's, we don't take our car to the mechanic and tell them exactly what to do. We trust them with the health of our car. And that's really what the primary care relationship is with the provider. And they'll memorize all of these different lists of tests and screening, but realizing that each one of these 
these tests or screening exams that we want are designed to catch things early, promote wellness through the length of your life, um, and really limit potential suffering that could occur if we catch some of these disease processes late. The vast majority of these things that we worry about, if we have enough runway to get in front of them, we can prevent a lot of things from happening. Mm -hmm, for sure. And this, this word prevention keeps coming up. And some of that prevention, well, a big chunk of that prevention, right, is on us, right? That's that, uh, I forget the word I'm looking for, but like it's, it's on us to make sure that we prevent some of these things. And a lot of that comes from our lifestyle, right? A lot of that comes from, man, I want to sit down and eat this entire bag of Doritos and a six pack while I watch, you know, all four games on the Sunday, but maybe I should think about not doing that as much. So what are some of these lifestyle, you know, kind of changes that men really need to start thinking about to reduce their risks for some of these more serious diseases? Yeah, you think diet like you hit on is super important. You know, being thoughtful about what you eat, everybody is going to sit down and on occasion eat things that they shouldn't. Right. That's, you know, eating's one of those things that has it's it's a huge part of being a human. It's cultural. Like we like to celebrate with food. It's OK to do that. Um, but you have to also make sure you're balancing that out with eating the right things long term, watching your weight. Um, I think movement movement is so important, um, mm -hmm. getting the right exercise in um, any movements better than no movement. And I think people reach a certain point where they're almost scared to start exercising again. And it doesn't have to be going into the gym. It can be walking around the block, start small. Um, there's no point that you reach where it's too late. So take baby steps. Getting active again is really, really important. Um, working on proper sleep, tracking your sleep, making sure that you're following good sleep hygiene, going to bed on time making sure you're getting enough sleep that uh, it just, it weighs on the long-term health so much. If you get improper sleep, um, limiting um, alcohol consumption, making sure you're not drinking in excess, making sure that you're not smoking, um, following proper sexual health. I mean, that's a really, really key piece, especially in, in people in their twenties and thirties um, for long-term longevity, um, making sure that you're, you're following good stress management. Um, I went down the rabbit hole of meditation and mindfulness. And that was one of the things that I really was skeptical about doing that really kind of changed my life. And I think if we can get a handle of approaching stress well and feeling comfortable talking about even signs of depression, I think mental health is vastly undertreated in men. It's something that we don't want to talk about to our friends. We don't want to talk about with our families. And it, let's face it, the last few years, the last couple of years have been pretty horrible, um, not just from the standpoint of a pandemic and wars and racial inequities and, and, and you name it. I mean, it's, it's come down the pipeline in the last two years. A lot of people are not in a good headspace, and that's a great discussion they can have with a primary care provider. There's things that we can do, not just counseling, but with medications that help people feel better and live longer lives. And I love that you said help help people feel better because I, I think that really of, of everything that you just mentioned, we we can help with that. I think that's a big point, right? Like a, a lot of the hesitation for some people with when it comes to mental health, you know, and the many discussions we've had about that is is okay. I know that something's wrong, but I'm scared to ask for help a because of of stigma. But then I don't know what to do about this. Guess what? You don't have to. <laughs> That's our job, right? We will help you figure it out. If you're like, I actually don't know how to control my eating. Like my eating is completely off, off, whatever. I, I don't, I can't handle this. Great. That conversation with your trusted provider 
is where that starts. And then we can sort of help to guide you in the right direction or even to the right people, right? Some nutritional folks are way better at this than a lot of us um, at these types of conversations. So it really still from even the lifestyle prevention thing starts with that, that conversation with your provider. Yeah. And I love that term trusted provider. You know, I think that's what we want. We we're there to help make recommendations to improve quality of life. And just like diet, have that exercise about, have that discussion about exercise. What, what are some movements that I can do that will help me improve strength or help me improve endurance or help me just feel better? There's that mind body link link where, you know, mental health is, is very much tied to physical health. And if you take care of your body and your mind, you feel better um, across the whole spectrum of life. So you're, what you're saying is that you have to CrossFit for three hours a day, six days a week to be healthy, right? I guess, I guess in your 20s, no. You know, it's, it's really interesting. I think the current recommendation now is, is uh, two days of resistance training in a week. And then I think five days uh, out of the week, they're hoping you get 30 minutes of aerobic exercise. And aerobic exercise doesn't mean high intensity interval training, right? It's just, you know, walking around your block at a, at a pace where you feel like it would be a little bit difficult to have a conversation with somebody that you're working your cardiovascular uh, system there. Doing some resistant training doesn't mean, you know, buying a, a membership to a big gym. It could be just doing, you know, bending over and touching your toes and standing up or, or doing body weight squats. Um, there's lots of, lots of approaches you can use to maintain health and longevity. And as we age, it's really important. Our metabolism slows. We start to lose muscle mass. If we want to stay living in our homes as long as we can, we have to be able to have the strength and the balance to safely move ourselves in our day-to-day -day activity. And the investment that you make early on in your physical health will certainly pay dividends in your later years and help you be active and happy. Absolutely. That's so huge. That's something that I think a lot of people don't think about is one of the biggest barriers for people. Let's say you've been hospitalized and you're lucky enough to, to get better and go home. Except one of the reasons you can't go home is because you're not able to literally just get yourself up from a seated position or get yourself to the bathroom. And um, I don't think a lot of people think about that. But the foundation for that, like you said, starts really early, which is which is fantastic. And we just have a little bit of time uh, left right now, and I, I want to give this this conversation a, enough space. So, you know, there are some differences in folks who are black or indigenous or, or people of color, you know, Asian, Hispanic folks uh, in terms of the types of health screenings and health concerns that might be specific to those different racial and ethnic groups. Can you talk just a little bit about that in the few remaining moments that we have? Yeah, when you when you look at the, the the communities of color, there are certain things where you have higher incidence of uh, high blood pressure, for example, is is a little bit higher when you look at at black males, for example, um, higher rates of prostate cancer. And those are things that your primary care provider will be aware of when they're helping screen for different things um, that we need to treat or look out for. But what I think is really important, especially in community of color communities of color is to feel empowered to sit down and have that discussion with your with your healthcare provider the earlier you get in the sooner you're seen the 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 more readily we can identify if you you have any of those risk factors that you're you're maybe at increased risk for but i think what's so important we talk about a concept that's social determinants of health and these are conditions in which people are born or they they work, they live, they grow, that all contribute towards overall health. And one of the reasons that we see people of color have worse healthcare outcomes is that they often live in areas that maybe they don't have as readily access to clinics 
or grocery stores that sell fresh fruit and vegetables. All of those things contribute towards lower health. And I think as a society, we have to make that investment in communities to help overcome gaps. Um, healthcare is absolutely right. I mean, that's it. We, we need to stop arguing that. And it's a Amen. perfect investment. Not only do people um, spend less long term on health care, but they ha live happier, longer, higher qualities of life. And that shouldn't be something determined by a person's color. Yeah, I, I agree 100 uh, percent. You know, they're one of the biggest predictors, predictors of longevity and of your risk for heart attack and stroke is your zip code. And I, I think that so many people maybe hear that on a top line, but don't fully understand that and how these things like, you know, stroke and certain cancers, you know, heart disease are disproportionately on the order of four to one sometimes disproportionately impact black folks, um, indigenous folks and people of color. So, you know, I think it's also really astute and important to to acknowledge that a lot of times you get better care from people who you feel like have your own shared experience. So to our conversation earlier, if you're not comfortable with your you know, provider, fire them, get a different one that you are comfortable with, particularly if you are black or a person of color, because you might have some unique needs that that provider really needs to know about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of early on in my career, I just finished residency and I moved from Chicago. I used to practice in inner city Chicago emergency departments. And one of the first patients I took care of in Spokane, Washington, was a, a black man who was an airman at the Air Force Base. And he jokingly told me, he's like, I bet you've never taken care of a black man before. And I kind of jokingly said back, you know, I just moved here from inner city Chicago. I'm still getting used to taking care of white patients. But, you know, I, it was kind of a funny little moment. But I thought a lot about sure. that um, from his perspective. And that was him advocating for himself. I'm certain of that. And, and it's we have to be aware um, that people are concerned they're not going to get equivalent care. And as long as people have that concern, we're failing in the healthcare system. We have to set up a system where people come in and they're confident that the care that they're going to get is equivalent, high quality care, regardless of their gender or their sexual identity or their color. And, and that's something we have to be committed to as not just a society, but also, also healthcare professionals. We realize that there's subconscious bias, that we're doing things that we're not even aware of. And until we can create awareness on those patterns of behavior, we're never going to fully get ahead of that. Yeah, oh, Dr. Gatz, I could not have said it better myself. That was a fantastic way to wrap this up. Thank you. Thank you so um, very much. I want to give you just a moment. This is literally like the 15 second drill. Now it's going to be the 10 second drill. Last 10 seconds. What do you want people watching to take away from this if they take one thing away from uh, this about men's health? You need a primary care provider. Schedule an appointment if you don't have one. Build that relationship. At some point down the road, you're going to need them and they will help you live longer, happier, healthier lives. They absolutely will. Dr. Getch, you are amazing. Thank you. This was such a fun conversation. This was really, really great. And I hope everyone watching uh, got something out of this. There was a lot of information here. Um, so we will definitely be posting this and having it replaying and you can send it to folks who definitely need to hear this. Dr. Getz, we again, thank you so, so much for joining us today and everyone for listening um, and sending in your questions. Remember, if you're looking for medical advice, please visit Providence.org and make sure to follow Providence on social media at Providence on Twitter and under Providence Health System on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Of course, as a reminder, the information that was provided during this event is for educational purposes only. If you have any questions regarding medical conditions or treatment plans, please consult your physician or other qualified healthcare provider. We thank y'all so much for watching and we'll see you next time.